welcome to another edition of LGBT in the ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we are continuing Journo January here on the show this week, welcoming uh, France's own uh, Lucas Chopio, um, a, a young emerging uh, wrestling media figure over there, has done a, a lot of work with VL Media. Uh, recently graduated from college and honestly is just kind of starting his journey in wrestling media and, and the sports sector of, of journalism in a way, despite having like three years of work under his belt already. It's, it's, a, it's amazing to see, but I'm um, very excited to have the chance to sit down with Lucas and talk about not just his own experiences with wrestling and, and being in, in the media and that sort of thing, but also just to kind of talk a bit about the French perspective on pro wrestling, like the the major th- uh, bits of pro wrestling that, that we cover here in, in North America, but also what's going on over in his region. You know, talking about companies like APC um, and 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 other and other uh, promotions that are in and around France. You know, in Belgium and Italy and Spain and all these great things. Scenes that don't normally get the same amount of eyes. That a lot of other places get, uh, but still have some very exciting things happening, and we'll get into that conversation a little bit with Lucas here in just a second. So um, I'm excited to share it all with you, and I'm not gonna keep you all from it that that much longer, actually. So let's just jump right into my conversation here with Lucas Chapio. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who is just really starting out in their uh, pro wrestling journalism career, their pro wrestling media career, um, all the way over in in France and covering areas of the European pro wrestling scene that don't really get a lot of eyes on them, at least in like the mainstream media over on this side of the Atlantic. And I'm very happy to have him as a guest for our Journo January theme month. Please welcome to the show, Lucas Chapio to the show. I hope I did it justice with your last name there this time around. That was that was better to, than the first time we did off camera. Congratulations. Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me, Brian. I'm I'm delighted to be here. Hi, listeners. Um, first and foremost, uh, I sh- we should address two things. First, um, I apologize in advance for the dreadful state of my English level. Um, There will be in this podcast (laughs) grammatical mistakes. There will be time where I'm looking for a word and it's not coming up. I apologize, listeners. Please bear with me. I'm not as boring as I sound. Second of all, um, we are recording this. Uh, It's 10 a.m. here in France, but it's 1 a.m. here uh, at Brian's side of the world, the, the side of yes. the world, yeah, the side of the world where it's much more, you know, sophisticated than us French people. Um, <laughs> yes, you say that as like the sonic plushie I have covered in thumbtacks <laughs> is staring you exactly. in the face. Exactly. So you you've seen Brian's dedication to this podcast, so you know what to do. You should leave uh, five uh, stars out of five to this podcast and leave a review, you know, to say thank you, Brian, for this dedication that you're showing us 
for your podcast. That's the least thing you could do. I can say for sure that you, Lucas, are the first person to person guest ever to straight up start out the interview by doing a rate and review plug for my show. <laughs> As I should. As I should. Oh, trust me, it's very I'm very thankful. <laughs> very gracious about it. It's just very funny also to me. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, just absolutely happy to be here. I'm I'm listening to the podcast as much as I can and um I'm delighted to, to be here. No, I'm happy to have you as well. It's just, especially, you know, with the Journal of January month that we do, you know, obviously it's it's a really cool opportunity to not just, you know, speak to and and meet people that maybe some listeners aren't necessarily aware of within the wrestling media space that are also part of our community in that way. But I don't know, just sometimes talking about wrestling can be a bit of a grind. And sometimes it's cool to just kind of sit there and learn about the people behind those that talk about wrestling. Those are been gratif- just as gratifying, if not more conversations so i'm excited to, to chop it up with you a little bit here as uh hopefully the thunderstorm raging outside of my my window here in portland does not shut Ooh. off the the power in my house so well fingers we'll do, crossed fingers crossed fingers crossed well we haven't podcasted under rest under duress before so that's a lie no anyway we'll, we'll be fine yep <laughs> so lucas obviously like you've done uh a lot of you've done a lot of work with, with uh, VL media over in, in France in, in recent years. Um, you know, I didn't realize this whenever I first became aware of you, like I didn't realize that you were still in university whenever I became aware of you and that you just recently graduated, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. I, I graduated on uh, June of last year. Oh, wow. uh, I have a English and journalism degree that I did in four years uh, because nice. Uh, I was terrible at translation. I really tra- terrible translation when it comes to uh translate wrestling interviews is quite simple, but academic translation is the worst. And I was terrible at it. And uh, here in France, uh, your degree is in three years, but they had me do it in four. Just so the the last year of my graduation. I had just two hours of class a week, and it was two hours of translation. Mm, that's that's interesting because, yeah. like you know, like I I went I went to school for for you know English education and journalism as well. It's interesting to hear that there's a a tr- like a like a dedicated like translation course over there. Like obviously being from a a native English speaking country like I am, like I guess that would make. It's weird that that there isn't something akin to that here, and more, and that there is something over there for like you know a non-native English-speaking country. Like, I don't know that that's interesting. Like, what what's the thought process behind behind having that in in the curriculum? Sorry to start off with curriculum talk, by the way, but curriculum. I, it's just, I'm, I'm curious I, though. <laughs> I had forgotten that word in six months. <laughs> curriculum. And now it's just give it gives me nightmares just to think about it. No, but um, we had multiple classes. Translation was uh, just one of the classes we had in this course. Uh, we had phonetics, which I was terrible at. Let me tell you, 
I still to this day, so I, I have my degree, I gra graduated. The, if you um, go up with me and say, here's a shift of phonetics, uh, you know, have a go, just teach me how to do phonetics. I didn't understand a single thing about phonetics in three years. It's just, it was the, the most difficult thing about this, this course, definitely. Uh, so we had phonetics, we have linguistics, we had history. History, the main part was about, so in the US, we were taught about um, the um, uh, justice system in the US, mm -hmm. which was, the I find it very, very interesting to, to learn more, more about that. And interesting in is U a word for our justice system for sure yeah exactly <laughs> and um in the in the uk side of the course it was about like the queen and you know the religion etc um so we had history as well we, we had other classes but translation was academic translation was always the thing with phonetics that i found the most difficult now, was that like specific to English or is that because obviously being in France, like being in Europe in general, like you're surrounded by countries that speak a multitude of languages. Like, was that specifically for like French to English or was that based off of like, you know, if you're going out to work in journalism, you're probably going to interact with people that speak multiple languages. Yeah, um, with academic translation, I think the most difficult thing is that it's just up to the person who's reading your exam note like um it's to correct I've, is that the right word to correct your exam sheet mm -hmm. uh you know to decide whether or not you you pass and i uh, oftentimes i would just leave the the room uh the exam room thinking oh i did great this time in translation i i was very happy with what i did and when i had my results i had like four out of 20 it was like what went wrong and i think the most part the the reason why i aided so much academic translation is just yeah it's up to judge to decide if well the judge is not the right word but the person who corrects your exam sheet like mm -hmm. yeah Nah, i honestly like i don't i don't envy you <laughs> that, that but i did it exactly you completed it though and you don't have yeah. to worry about it ever again yeah, Hopefully. I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to do two more years. Um, so I I think in the US you call that a master. Yeah, a PhD, a master. Yeah, a master. Um, yeah. um, I wanted to do that in journalism because um, so the the journalism system in France is like you got fourteen, uh, schools, uh, where the 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 diploma is um uh, recognized by the state of france like they're legit uh diplomas and i wanted to do one of those 14 schools to get a master in journalism uh, and after that uh would just work uh, at television my dream was always to work at television um but i didn't succeed at the entry exam so here i am just waiting for a job uh you know saving money for a year and just um, I, I want to do it again. I want to try my luck with those um, uh, journalism schools uh, entry exam. Just yeah, I think it would be good for my curriculum to to have a <laughs> like a master in journalism. That will make me more legit. I think. Mm -hmm. I can I can understand the thought process for sure. You know, and and 
you know, I think that's always always something good to to aspire to, you know. And and I definitely wish you luck on on that journey for your for yourself you as so well much. because I know the difficulties that go into like, trying to get a master's and like hmm, it wasn't for me. <laughs> so <laughs> like I'm glad <laughs> I'm 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 glad that that you're still banging that drum though. So that's really cool to hear. It's interesting to hear that that you that your dream was kind of to get into TV and and we're I promise we're circling back around to wrestling, folks. Don't yeah. worry. Oh, don't. Oh, don't worry. oh yeah, yeah. No, not necessarily. I trust me. Based off of our conversation before I hit record, like I don't think you have any qualms about like like kind of circling back and and taking a little bit of a detour. Yeah. Here. But um, but no, it's interesting to hear that like television was your your kind of like dream job in that way because it's specific to like wrestling media with how much of it is you know based in digital media at this point it's based in like content creation on like you know social platforms and and um you know written work as well and and depending on you know where you're applying your craft at so i guess some of that can like translate into the same sort of things you would want for tv but like what do you see that in relation to like your desire to to participate in in wrestling media and like the work that you've done already um so i think my desire to work for tv um uh, is not something that could be uh linked to my desire to work in the wrestling media because i don't think we will ever see like for example a talk show about wrestling in france on tv that that just sounds impossible because mm -hmm. the reputation uh, that wrestling has in France, um, like for the US, I think wrestling is kind of part of the pop culture in, in a way, like with WrestleMania, Cindy Lauper, etc. Like wrestling has always been in your pop culture. It's not, not everyone loves wrestling. There's still this thing where, oh, it's fake, etc. But it's more part of your culture. Whereas in France, there was this big boom period in like from 2007 to, to 2012, I will say, sorry. But right now, the um, reputation that wrestling has in the, the mainstream world is just, oh, it's fake. Why, why are, we, are you watching? And it's changing a bit like last year and the 2022 uh, it changed a bit because, um, and honestly, I think mainly thanks to the Bloodline storyline, uh, who succeeded at captivating the mainstream audience that wasn't watching wrestling, but saw one video about it or one gif on Twitter and were like, oh, he looks charismatic, etc. So, yeah, but to answer your question, um, I... I never thought that um, you could be on TV, be a journalist, and talk about wrestling. That that's just one thing that never came in in my head. Um, I've always wanted to do television because I grew up watching TV. I loved um, game shows on TV. I was a huge fan. One of my favorite um, show on television is Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I was mm -hmm. watching that every day. Um, I was a huge fan of it. And um, 
so yeah, when I was a kid, I wanted to be the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. That was my dream job when I was six years old. How mental is that kid? Yeah, <laughs> you would think. And now you would ask yourself, how does he not depress say, at 21? And the answer is, he is, folks. He is depressed at 21. Um, <laughs> You're in good company over here on yeah. this show. <laughs> So yeah, I I, I started uh, wanting to be on television by just wanting to be the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and um, it was around junior high school time where I, I really had this process of wanting to be a journalist, but not you know journalist. It's such a wild world where there's all different branches and you know there's so many things around journalism that you can do and yeah. i think it was around high school where I, I changed the the group of friends that i had from junior high school to high school and the group the the group of friends that i had in high school were more into sports and i started to uh learn more about it and watch more about it uh i became a huge fan of motorsports uh, around high school just I'm a huge Formula 1 nerd yeah and it sounds depressing as hell because I'm gay and I'm this you know I'm this gay guy white gay guy who watch motorsports how depressing is my life um, I wouldn't but... say depressing but... <laughs> I would say boring but okay hey, uh... I don't know F1's catching on over here this doesn't seem too boring I've never been a motorsports fan personally, but I I recognize the appeal though. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's and there's very handsome guy too in Formula One. Don't you oh, know there's some very handsome mention- guys in Formula One. Ooh. Let's not talk about that because uh, oh my god. <laughs> the fever we're gonna instore to our listeners is gonna be unparalleled. Um but yeah, it was around high school where I really uh, was uh, yeah, where I, I was like, yeah, this is what I want. I want to do. This is sports journalism, and um, I've always wanted to do uh, to do it on television because, yeah, television is, and it, it sounds weird because my generation is not supposed to like television mm. uh, because we grew up with internet and everything is simple, simpler, more simple, simpler, more simple. I don't know, more simple. Let's Either say way. That. Um, with the internet, you know, you, you know, you connect on yourself on Netflix and uh, you can watch any show at any time. And on television, it's just this linear thing where you have to be on your television, uh, in front of your television to see a program. And, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've always had this weird love for television. And, um, yeah, that's my dream, uh, working on television, sports journalists there. Um, and yeah. Hmm. I mean, I can understand that, though, like even though, you know, like the the process of cord cutting, you know, is continuing to, to erode like television and, and like the age of streaming now, you know, where like even as we speak, I'm a big NFL fan. We have NFL games that are going to be exclusively on streaming services for the playoffs, which is a very odd thing. But at the same time, like there's still this prestige in a way that is associated with, you know, being a, t- a television a journalist all that works in television in a way so i can i can understand why that desire is still present for you um for sure 
you know, especially with sports journalism, because I feel like sports are like the one place where the the transition from, you know, linear television to streaming, like that's the one thing that really is like keeping linear TV like holding on right now, you know? Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I've always been fascinated by, um, you know, play by play announcer where um, that were calling motorsports you know uh, grand prix or anything because they were captivating my imagination as i was watching the program and um it, it's even more difficult on the radio um i did this one time during my time in college uh for my journalism degree where i had to call a soccer match i, I said soccer by the way which is <laughs> i'm i i know that's sacrilege for you I'm I'm doing a lot for your podcast, Brian. <laughs> Saying soccer is something I never thought I would allow myself to say. But anyway, it's it's because I'm I'm very thrilled to be here. Uh, so I call the soccer match on the radio, and it's so difficult to captivate an audience without the image. Like the image is the easy thing because when you're you're on television, you're uh, you can either just uh, close your eyes and just listening to the shit or just, you know, only watch the um, the the image. And uh, it's so more difficult on the radio to captivate an audience uh, by calling a soccer match. So that was one hell of an experience. I'm I'm very proud. Uh, very proud. Uh, I done that. But um, yeah, I don't know. If there's a thing. Yeah, you said more legit about television journalists maybe they they sound more yeah i don't know if like more legit per se is the right term but like i think it's just like those positions like there's a certain level of prestige that's associated with them yeah exactly you know it's 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 kind of like you know the way that people in the states like look at people like bob costas over the years or people like you know um bright gumbel or like you know people that have been like installed in those tv sports spaces like those are like household names those are people that people that like have very high regard uh for them by a lot of audiences and that sort of thing you know yeah but uh, i've never (laughs) um i didn't want uh to be a sports journalist on television just for the prestige maybe i said that and uh Oh, no, I, that was not i was meaning uh, i was meaning um yeah. that was my words sorry okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i don't know i've always been fascinated to television uh, and i always imagining myself you know uh, on the screen talking about hmm. whatever <laughs> but, yeah so at what point like you you have this this desire to go into sports journalism to be to be a journalist in uh, on tv at what point do you start kind of looking at wrestling as a space to explore in that way like is that something that came from like your own like fandom of it that you realize that maybe this is something i could do or like what in what kind of inspired that for you so um it was it was a good timing actually because uh when i started college i was looking for a place to write on because i wanted to um you know um uh, evolve and uh, do 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 better you know uh, you know mm-hmm. and um a friend of mine uh ro- was writing on VL media at the time and um they were looking for people 
outside of the team in Paris. You know, they 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 want they wanted people outside of Paris to write on their own on the website, not having that much connection with the the team based in Paris. And um, Sasha, who's the, the the name of my friend who was working there at the time, asked me, "Hey, would you be down talking about sports on on VO Media?" And um, I remember very quickly the discussion about talking about wrestling. Um, came ahead and he was uh he was like hey we were already doing um interviews with wwe um we we have their contact and uh yeah we're doing this thing where every once in a while we interview a wwe superstar and um i was very thrilled to see that a um a media like vo media who's not sports spe- specialist not wrestling specialized was actually talking about wrestling so I started there and um yeah very quickly um yeah, just starting to write about wrestling um I did so th- the main thing I did was interviews I I did like um 40 plus uh interviews there but I was also at the time doing reviews of um uh Raw Monday Night Raw which mm. at the time so nowadays in 2024 Raw is decent Raw is Pretty, pretty good. It's a, it's a pretty good show. In 2019, ladies Woof. and gentlemen, Raw was a pain in the ass, and a pain in the ass is a euphemism. It was, yeah, wow, and uh, yeah. Thankfully, I was not as depressed as I am today. Because if I was as depressed as I am today in 2019, that could have been the end for me. That like. <laughs> Sitting there for three hours and then writing on because I, I had so I was watch, watching Raw almost live, so from 2 to 5 a.m. Mm. And I was going to school at like 7 a.m. I did my school, then I was writing my uh, article for it to come up um, uh, at the end of the day. So, yeah, it was uh, it's something I did like two or three times, but then I was like, no. Just I can't. If you want me to be alive in 2020, just I I can't anymore. And um, <laughs> so I I just stayed with interviews, and it's the thing I love the most in the space. Um, learning more about wrestlers, sharing a moment with them, highlighting their success, highlighting their story, um, be their voice in a way that they're the voice, but I'm like the one who transcripts what they're saying, and it's really something I enjoy and um. I'm also scared in a way because I've almost done only that for the past two years, and um, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, what if uh, I'm I'm never able to do interviews anymore? What do I what do I know? Like, what can I do? Uh, because I've yeah I've done almost just interviews for the past two years, and I'm uh. But yeah, it's something I really, really enjoy, and I'm forever grateful that I had this opportunity. No, I mean, I can, I can understand the the gratification that you get from like focusing on interviews. Obviously, like doing this show in, you know, a, a good chunk of my work that I do, like is is mostly interview based as well. And there is something very um, distinct, uh, distinctly like gratifying, I think, about you know, not just having like 
people on and just having conversations with people, but really like learning about, especially with the pro in the pro wrestling space, learning about the people behind these like characters that we see on, on television or on like, you know, live shows and that sort of thing. And kind of learning about different like aspects of them and, and, you know, kind of in a way like humanizing them too, because I feel like sometimes it's very easy, you know, especially in, in social media spaces to very quickly fall into like these like dehumanizing um, patterns of thought around the people you're interacting with, you know? Yeah, definitely. And the, those parasocial relationship that people, yes, some weird people on Twitter are trying to create for themselves. Yeah, definitely. Very much so. So like, I could definitely understand that aspect of of like why that desire is there for you. Um, were I'm assuming you were a fan of wrestling before like jumping into covering wrestling. Maybe that's why people were like, oh, well, you, you could cover wrestling here at, at VL. So like, talk to me a bit about your 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 fandom and like what what really built that for you prior to you getting into this media space. Um, so this, I'm a bit ashamed of that story. Bear ashamed. with me. Okay. Ashamed okay. of, of the reason why, <clears throat> sorry, I became a wrestling fan. Um, so when I was a kid, I, I, I discovered wrestling, uh, around late 2009. I was seven years old. I was born in 2002. I'm, I'm 21. Oof. And You're making me feel old, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you look, you look so young. I appreciate Stop. it. Oh, no, no. I, yeah. I can't. It's okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you, you don't look that old. Come on, Brian. You're now you're a youngster in this space. Come on. You're, you're not the oldest. Um, oh, I'm not the oldest for so, sure. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Not. Um, so when I was a kid, I was a fan of Dora the Explorer. It was like... Um, a cartoon is it still broadcast broadcasted in in the US I'm sure that, in some form like it's on that Nick Jr lineup somewhere over here yeah somewhere definitely yeah and w when i was a kid i was a huge fan of that and by the way just by the way side note my mom was surprised when i came out of the closet and i was like mom i was a fan of dora the explorer when i was a kid how, how could you not know that <laughs> anyway anyway and so I was a fan of Dora the Explorer when I was a kid, and my mom was tired of buying spin-off products of Dora. I, I had, like, DVDs, action figures, coloring books. I had it all. If there was a thing with Dora, I had it when I was a kid. And so one day, my mom goes to our local news agent to buy uh, Slamatex training cards. Um, and she goes... Uh, to me and she's like hey this is uh, not expensive as your Dora shit uh, take it uh, wrestling is on TV have fun and be normal I beg of you um, so that's how I discovered wrestling through slam attacks trading cards and um, the first time I watched professional wrestling uh, it was Friday Night Smackdown and I immediately saw Rey Mysterio and mm -hmm. I was hooked from that moment. Um, I was not a fan of professional wrestling for the first few weeks. I was just a fan of Rey Mysterio because I was captivated 
by this little man with mask who did West Coast Pop and 619. What is what, what is this all about? I cannot even count how many beds I have broken doing the West Coast Pop when I was a kid. <laughs> there is this story, Brian, where my dad punished me by throwing off my Rey Mysterio mask that I had for Christmas. And I, w- I was uh, I was wearing it all the time. I was eating with it. I was sleeping with it. I was doing everything with my Rey Mysterio mask when I was a kid. And one day I'm watching wrestling and there's Shawn Michaels who's doing his retirement speech and I'm crying. Uh, and my dad was like, if you cry watching wrestling, I will throw away your Remisterium match. Like, you would have to give me your Remisterium match. Your, your, one, two, three, your Ray Mysterio mask. I'm, I'm, oh, it's good, a tongue twister right? for, for native English speakers, honestly. Nah. <laughs> and I, I couldn't stop crying. And he took my Remisterium mask and he lost it. My oh, dad, no. to this day, doesn't know where my Rey Mysterio mask is. Oh. It's it's a trauma. We were talking about trauma off record before recording this. That's one hell of a trauma right there. I can, yes, uh, 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, did he, did he I, ever apologize for that after he realized he couldn't find it? Not really. My dad apologizing. Brian, come on, be serious. My oh. dad apologizing. I no, know where masculinity no. goes. Okay, I'm just. You never know. Some people can surprise you. <laughs> uh, no, well, it's something we joke about now nowadays. Like it's there's this red mysterious story uh, around the house. It's it's like a ghost. Now the mask is like a ghost haunting the house. Um, but yeah, uh, I learned about professional wrestling because I was a fan of Dora the Explorer, and that's your story right there. I dig it, honestly. I, I, I. There's. It's always interesting to hear people's entry points into pro wrestling, and and I have to say that's the first door of the Explorer pipeline to pro wrestling that I've heard, and I and I absolutely adore it. It's it's beautiful. I also love the fact that like Rey Mysterio was like the latching on point once you did start tuning into to the programming though, because Definitely. like I just you know I joked about you know you making me feel old like I'm 37. I'm about to turn 38. Right. And I can remember like my, I, I started watching pro wrestling like tail end of 95, beginning of 96. And like spring, summer of 96 is when Rey Mysterio Jr. showed up on WCW programming. And one of the first WCW matches I ever watched was Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Dean Malenko. Oh my God. I like the fact that like 10 year old me and like, seven-year-old you both kind of like found a a person in Rey Mysterio that just transfixed us. Like one, it speaks to the longevity of Rey Mysterio yeah. first off and how amazing he has been over the last like 20 plus years coming up on 30, Jesus. But it also like, I don't know, like it, it's, it, it speaks to this way that wrestling has of like, just captivating you especially when it comes to like characters that are like more like not necessarily out there but more like um flashy or interesting or outside of the norm 
like like a Rey Mysterio, you know, because like there there aren't a ton of luchadors popping off in WWE, you know. Yeah, def- definitely, and um, I think that's the reason, the main reason why there was this boom period of wrestling in France around like 2007 to 2012. I w- I will say, um, the main thing is for me, it's because of the announcers. We had a duo of um announcers uh that were absolutely brilliant uh in wrestling uh they're still calling wwe as of today christophe Agius and philippe chero uh, they are the the reason why uh i think wrestling at this boom period in france uh, because there was um they created so many catchphrases uh mm. around wrestling for example uh, of the the top prop, which in, in France is par dessus la troisième corde, there was so many catchphrases that you just rem- remembered and that you were saying at, at school the next morning. So I I think that uh, is um, a key to understand the success the success story of wrestling around that time. And other reason is the characters, as you say, how could you not be captivated? watching a character like the undertaker when you were a kid like the man is a dead man i'm not seeing that on who wants to be a millionaire i'm not <laughs> i'm not seeing a dead man whooping his brother uh kane uh because in 2010 the, the kane and the undertaker storyline which looking back at it is so so awful but when i was a kid I, I thought that, that that was the best thing in the world ever, you know. It's just, and even you know, even just um a random character like Carlito, I remember being just fascinating. Not fasc- fascinating is a bit too much, but like really captivated by his charisma a bit. Like he was eating his apple. And throwing at it, people would just, it's so cool. It's cool to see Evan Bourne, someone who captivated me as well, Evan Bourne with, with the shooting star press. I thought that was the coolest thing to do on earth. And um, I, I was a fan of John Cena too um, mm-hmm. until 2011 and the scandal, ladies and gentlemen. You remember that on Raw when, when Rey Mysterio won the WWE Championship. And John Cena won it back two hours later. I was yes, <laughs> trauma, trauma right there. Wrestling, definitely uh, yeah, definitely trauma. <laughs> um, but so yeah, there there were so many captivated, uh, captivating characters um, in wrestling during that time, and even with the diva, Marie's was speaking French. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, she, you know, <laughs> she was speaking French. Um, there was Eve Torres. I loved as well. I, I I've I've been a huge Eve Torres fan. Melina as well. When she uh, made a, a return against Alicia Fox, I was so like, oh, there's someone coming back who I was not seeing because, uh, yeah, that, that sounds so lame. But at the time, I didn't think return was a thing. Like, if you leave, you leave. Mm-hmm. But that was one of the first return uh, I've seen in WWE. And that was Melina. I was just, oh, my God, what's going on? So, yeah. yeah. No, I can I can definitely understand, you know, the the kind of attracting force that all of those like characters have. And you talk about somebody like Maurice, who's like 
speaking French on WWE programming, like outside of like the Rougeaus, like who had done that in like the past like yeah. twenty in twenty something thirty years at this point, you know, on and WWE. I understand, like it's it's a lame reason to love a character, but when I was a kid, I I didn't need that much. Just oh, she speaks French, that's my girl right well, there. I don't necessarily see it as like a like a a poor reason to to like a character though you know what i mean like or mm. or anything like that because i mean let's face it um underrepresented communities in pro wrestling especially when you're talking about the hyper focus on north american pro wrestling historically um all they've given underrepresented communities is crumbs at this point like you talk about like marie standing out because she's actually speaking your native language on tv i feel like you know, that just feeds into like the mantra at this point of like, you know, rep why representation matters, you know, and in the same way, like what got me into wrestling initially, you know, Rey Mysterio was my first WCW match, but what got me into wrestling initially was, um, was gold dust. And you talk about somebody who was like basically the crumbs for the queers back in the nineties, you know, where we had to like deal with, like, we have a character that we can kind of latch on to. But at the same time, the entire reason for this character to exist is for audiences to yell epithets at him and for, yeah. you know, Jerry the King Lawler to drop slurs on TV. So, oh, oh we were saying the GL word. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on air. Wow. Yeah. Listeners, please stay. You will not, we will not, I swear, we'll not talk about Jerry the King Lawler anymore. No. It's just, it, it was a one time mention. Exactly. The only time we ever mentioned him on this show is to bring up how he used to, how he used a slur against Goldust on TV because he's that kind of shit person. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Goldust Goldust was the the heel in that yeah. storyline. Like people were. Um, yeah, it was because yeah. Oh, let's boo this homosexual. You know, mm. it, it was just pure homophobia on display in nineteen ninety five. That year is wild, by the way. Mabel won the King of the Ring. We're like, what is going on in 1995, guys? <laughs> what I, is going on? I couldn't tell you, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, that is just uh, a, a thing that happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. I'm just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT Ring Pod. Multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Every single dollar that is uh, pledged there to support the show is very, very humbling, and we thank you. We also have a, a merch store over on Brainbuster Tees. Go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the ring. Uh, you get t-shirts, tank tops, all kinds of good stuff. And, you know, 
always looking at some new things as well. But uh, definitely check us out on Brainbuster Tees there as well. You can follow the show on social media as well. We're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme. Formula 666 from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBTRingPod or visit uh, the URL, tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. But yeah, the the storyline with Goldust and I, I think it was Razor Ramon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hopefully and thankfully you can see how table shift. You know, uh, nowadays I die. never in a million years a storyline like that will connect to a to an uh, to an audience, and even no. with a mainstream national audience, like I'm. Hopefully, I'm I'm very hopeful that the audience will totally shit on that. I would hope so too. And I think that we've had a lot of evidence to, to support that, that idea. I think, you know, obviously not just with the, the expansion of LGBTQ identities within the pro wrestling space, but you know, within like the peripheral spaces of pro wrestling, like wrestling media, which, you know, is why I like doing this, this series on here, because, you know, I feel like just as much as, our community has been underrepresented in pro wrestling as a whole. Our community is really j just starting to get a, a, a fairly significant foothold in, in the wrestling media space as well. You know, and I'm curious to talk to you, you know, as an out gay man that was entering the space, like, were there any like thoughts about, you know, like acceptance or were there like, what were there any like, pitfalls that you were like foreseeing for yourself or the, when entering not just necessarily the wrestling media space but sports journalism as a whole you know I, obviously I, I work for outsports over here in the states and like 
you know, that is, it's not just a wrestling site. It is a sports site that is focused on the LGBTQ community. And, you know, even working within a space that is explicitly for that, you still run into some of those things here and there just based off of how audience responds to stuff and various other things that happen. So I'm just curious to ask you about that process for yourself. Um, I have always been uh, very privileged um, as a gay man. Um, and it's mostly because I think I'm um, a straight acting like uh, men, you know, gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, I've rarely experienced homophobia, which is I'm, I'm very thankful for. Um, it, I've, you know, I, I came out of closet very, very young in my life. I was like 13 years old, 14. Oh, wow. Which is not, which is not something I would recommend. Like, but in the same time, I would, when, you know, I've, I've been asked a few times, oh, is, do you have like, um, uh, advices to come out of closet? And the first thing that I always say is, is do it when you're ready. Um, I kind of do it because I was uh, basically they someone made my coming out for myself. Uh, just I was mm. outed, and um, so I had to just you know give uh, say yeah, indeed uh, I am you know. Um, but it 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 never crossed my mind um, to think oh because I'm gay I'm not gonna be able to be in the space or they're gonna there's gonna be pitfalls and this it's not the way i think about it it's if there is pitfall if there if there is homophobia i will face it um in the moment but i'm not reflecting on it because if you're reflecting on it you're not trying to go as far as you can and um that's it's it should not even be a question the, like my homosexuality has nothing to do with my skills in journalism yeah so i just i've always had the, I, I i always had this chance of feeling valid of feeling like um i can belong as a lgbtq plus um member in this community um uh so so yeah it's just i've always tried to um prove to to people that i belonged and um if there's homophobia on my way just um i would i'm dealing with it you know most homophobia i faced is um on twitter uh i i've seen a couple of people saying oh but you're talking about wrestling you're talking about sports but how can you know you're gay and i'm like no okay whatever but um yeah, it was it was a build. It was homophobia was quite difficult when I was in junior high school because I I got bullied for three years uh, due to me being overweight, and when they learned that I was gay, things went from <laughs> worse to even worse. So, uh, yeah, that was when homophobia was very tough for me. Uh, in high school, it started to be a little better and in this space thankfully I'm, I'm very thankful that in this wrestling media space um i've never really experienced homophobia from from my peers peers from 
anyone i'm very thankful but it's mostly due to me being privileged and um you know i know that no i mean it's always important to you know like understand and, and check that privilege you know and and i can understand that too like i'm non-binary i'm, I'm like by pan but at the same time like i know that i can i can be very straight passing whenever yeah. i want to you know and that's not always a luxury that everyone in our community has and and it is a valuable thing to, to recognize and, and check when having these discussions too so like that's that's a, a huge thing in and of itself but at the same time like i'm very I'm glad to hear that you haven't run into that in like the professional space or anything like that. No, yeah. not in professional space. The, the, um, the few times I experienced homophobia was um, just purely personal. Uh, there was this time in high school uh, where a good friend of mine from junior high school didn't know that I was gay and he learned it in the morning. And I, when I wanted to say hi to him in the morning because he was my friend, I was going to say hi. He spit it on me and say I don't talk to you, and he said the f word. Oh wow, Jesus! And I I never spoke to him ever again. Mm. So uh, yeah, and there were a couple of times too. Just uh, when you were with a guy and this, uh, yeah, th this drunk guy came ahead and you know, but yeah. it's it's things when you you're gay. It's things that unfortunately everyone experiences. Like when you're with a guy and there's a romantic situation. There's gonna always, always gonna be someone to shout the F word or, or shout someone. Like, it's very depressing to say that, but I know for a fact that one day I'm gonna get beat up because I'm gay. Like, I've integrated that. Like, one day I know that a situation is gonna escalate and I might have to fight just because I'm gay. And mm. it's sad to say that at 21, but it's something, even when you're straight acting like me, and I'm very privileged, privileged once again, um, by that, but I've integrated that. Like, one day I'm gonna have to fight because I'm gay, and uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the thing that, where homophobia hits the most in, in the personal space. I mean, I, I feel like you're not the only person, definitely not the only person in our community that is, has that like sort of reservation, you know, um, and luckily, you know, a lot of spaces culturally um, have kind of moved away from that sort of thing happening. But you're right. Like you never, never know when some situation yeah. might, might just go a completely different way. The one thing, you know, about, people in our community kind of having some of these like similar and shared experiences is that, you know, we can kind of commiserate over those in a way and, and be able to talk to each other about them and that's, and kind of be there for each other. And also, you know, I think ultimately like we were talking about this before we started recording, but, you know, finding ways to kind of like, not necessarily like, um, take away from like the significance of trauma but find a way to kind of laugh at it in a way yeah definitely you know what i mean definitely. like yeah i think that's that's that is definitely a queer superpower <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. exactly no that's a like, wings thing that we have like yes. it's, it's like the wings yes 
exactly because exactly. we've all been there i've definitely i know i've been there like i've god <laughs> for sure we've all been there like it, it's something I, I don't think it's exaggerating to say that but oh no every queer people that i've ever discussed we were all agreeing on this that one day we're gonna have to fight like because every time uh not every time but almost every time honestly when i'm with a guy and i have this tendency when i'm drunk to and then when i'm with someone in a relationship to all the hands that's something i, I like to do mm -hmm. all the time the there's always someone to shout the f word or, or shout something or, and i know for a fact that one day i will have to fight and one day i might end up at the hospital just because i'm gay and that's a very sad thing to you know integrate it and just live on like knowing that one day you might end up in the hospital just because of your sexual orientation but honestly that's something that every queer people know whether it's uh unconscious or not it's just yeah one day you might end up beat up on the street just because you're dating a guy yeah yeah and and at the same time like having that that thought there it it shows a certain level of power to like know that like yeah i have this thing sitting in the back of my head this may happen this in my mind it's an inevitability it's going to happen at some point but it's not going to stop me from being who yeah. i am and like showing those like exactly. public like public affections and that sort of thing and just living my fucking life you know yeah I because think that, you, you can't you you cannot let them win like it's no. impossible to I, i'm not gonna live my life um by the way people want me to live my life like i cannot yeah impossible so yeah you just got to live your life and if one day it happens it happens you know yeah no, I, I, I like I said, there's a there's a lot of power in that. I think, and and I think that's something that, you know, people who don't have that experience don't understand, and and <laughs> you know, they don't have that that same that same power that that's there present with them because they don't have that whole idea of looking over your shoulder in, in that sort of way. Like, it's uh, it's it's a frustrating thing to have to like hold on to, but it's it's still one that i think just adds to the the significance of the advancements that we that we've made culturally and continuing to see our community you know grow and flourish despite you know whatever cultural like revert is reverting that we've seen recently you know obviously in the states you know we're facing uh, we've been facing laws that have targeted you know Queer people, yeah. specifically trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming people across the country. I know the same as in the UK. I'm not exactly sure if anything like that politically has been going on in France or anything like that. Not necessarily that we're turning this into a political commentary show or anything like that, but <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it it does like in in the states at least, like it has affected wrestling in some ways. You know, there are some states here where like because of laws that were trying to be passed, like like specifically drag bands that were trying to be passed in states like Florida and Texas, like the way that those laws are worded were so vague that it would have applied to pro wrestling as well. And like at that point, like what do you even do with that? You know, trans performers wouldn't be able, 
technically wouldn't be able to perform in those states. You know, even some like straight performers wouldn't have been able to perform in certain states because of those things. Luckily, none of those laws yeah. passed, mind you, because yeah. they're, you know, they attacked the First Amendment. And if there's one thing that people in this country love but yet do not fully understand, it is the First Amendment. Um, but... Yeah. But I don't know, like some of the some of those like cultural and political moments do like impact the things that that we cover through the pro wrestling space. And I'm just curious to like learn more about kind of the French perspective in that way. And obviously, oh. you are not the the monolith of the French perspective, but the, the person <laughs> I'm talking to you to today. So I'm just, I'm just curious to hear that and how those things, how you've seen like the French wrestling scene develop over over time in, in similar ways, too. Um, regarding, um, queer community in the French wrestling space, um, it's, it's, uh, it's getting there. I, I think so. Uh, we have the first ever LGBT tag team, French tag team, um, called La Maison Mère, uh, Jess Perry and, uh, and Brand, there are two youngsters, uh, from a promotion called APC for those uh, maybe you've heard about APC it's uh, the first independent day that Mustafa Ali did uh, yes like, was it I, I've APC. heard of APC for sure I heard it mainly because of uh, Jazz Perry um, yeah <laughs> like like Jazz, Jazz was uh, Jazzy was on like on one of the people that was definitely I think like um, I'm not from I'm not 100% on Jazzy's pronouns so I'm just going to use they for right now but um, you know they, as well as uh, another wrestler, um, uh, Misha, um, if I'm not mistaken, yes, yes. two of the... my very good friends. I I know them yes. both for many many years, even before before they were wrestlers. And yeah, Misha as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both of them were have you know been in consideration for for the QWI as long as they've been active. You know the the list that I do every year. I think Misha made it last year onto the the 200. So like I I know that there is like definitely a, a scene there for like the queer community in, in in the in pro wrestling and it's really cool to hear that there are more people that I haven't I haven't heard of Jazzy's tag team partner so that's yeah. that's really cool and that's another person to add to my list and to look up and to check out so I'm I'm into it but yeah APC yeah, seems like a really interesting pro wrestling space so didn't mean to cut you off there um yeah um I've so I've went to their shows on. So at the time of, we were recording this, um, January nine, uh, they had a show on January six. Uh, it was Mustafa Ali first uh, independent date. Uh, he wrestled Aigle Blanc, who is by far the best French wrestler, uh, you know, we have, and one of the young prospects in um, the European scene, and he's. Um, adding into what is about to be a very, very, very good year uh, for him. I cannot wait to see what he does next. Um, but yeah, at APC, I've, I've, I haven't been there for like five years. The last show I went was for Will All Sprint 2019. And it was so great uh, seeing old faces, seeing new people. Uh, they have this show called APC Evolution which is kind of the NXT level up version of hmm. NXT, you know, that it's for young people starting wrestling. And um, 
you know, create their character, create their their hearts, uh, craft, etc. Jazz, Perry, and Brand started there. Um, so yeah, it, I, it was just fun, you know, meeting new people, catching um, odd ones, and um, yeah, the the product um, APC Evolution mostly is what um, I'm shaking the most because it's it's very very great to see up and comers create their heart for and create who they are um, in the space. One of the things that was really interesting whenever I reached out to you to be on the show was that you mentioned that, you know, while a lot of your work is focused on WWE and is focused on some of the, like the larger companies, you know, in, in the States, you know, especially looking at independents like GCW and, and various other wrestlers that have appeared in GCW um, people that appeared in, in place in major places in the UK, even like looking at, you know, company like the former body Zoy, I believe they have a different name now that you were informed me up before yep. we went live here um in, in Belgium and that sort of thing. But one piece that you kind of told me about that hadn't really come to fruition was you were looking at a piece kind of looking at LGBT the LGBTQ community within pro wrestling in France and how that didn't really come together in the way that that you wanted it to. And I'm curious to ask you about like that whole process of, of that like what what kind of led to that wanting to be something that you wanted to cover and why didn't it end up coming together in the way that it did so it was something i wanted to do for pride month i was thinking of a way to celebrate um queerness in wrestling for for pride month and i wanted to write about the um, uh the challenges uh, for queer uh, wrestlers uh, in France, um, how uh, inclusive was the locker room? Was there still homophobia within the locker room? Uh, was there, you know, any sorts of uh, thing that we can approve to make them more um, uh, include included? You know, um, and it's just, I I think it's also me being twenty and me being nothing in this business uh people were just not willing to talk to me uh and i don't even think maybe it's because of homophobia or something i don't even know but i think it's mostly because of me being 20 and they they they, they thought that you know my my article wasn't getting anywhere um but yeah i, I started to um Talked to several people uh, within the queer, queer community in uh, in France, uh, um, and I, I I just didn't had much material, unfortunately. Not enough people that I reach out to uh, answer to me, responded, and um, but hopefully it's something that I will be able to do in this year. Uh, it's still something I I really want to do something for Prime Month. Um, it will maybe be in the, in a different format, maybe in a series of podcasts, like four or five podcasts uh, during the month, you know, um, by just interviewing someone from the LGBTQ plus community involved in the wrestling community in France. Or a, I don't know what format um, I would be more inclined to 
to have because I I need to think of, of something else obviously, um. But yeah, it's definitely something I'm I'm gonna do uh, for June twenty four June twenty twenty four. Sorry, it's been an hour. English is starting to get loosey. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a minute. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, I I love the idea honestly. You know, and and obviously like more people from our community globally that can have their voices heard about these sort of things and have their stories heard there's always a welcome a welcome addition to it and no matter what form it takes like especially knowing like the relationships that you have with with some of the wrestlers that you spoke to like that you spoke of just a minute ago like that are out and and part of the wrestling community i think like you know i think those the opportunity for them to have the chance to share their stories is very um via, yeah. valuable I can't wait to do that. Honestly, I I've been friends with um Misha and Jasper for for years, even before they started wrestling, and um, I just can't wait to highlight their stories. It's just they're awesome people. Um, they're and they're, they're I just they evolved so so much through the space, and um, I just wish in the future there will be more people queer people who have a position of power uh, within a wrestling promotion to understand more the stake of them showing uh, the the story they, they want to, to share to the audience, you know, because um, I think a queer character has a better chance to captivate the audience if the person who's booking them really understands you know where do we go from from that on? You know, and what we want to show to the to the audience. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely understand. I, you know, I think that's the main reason why we celebrate so the number of promotions here in North America that are, you know, at least partially LGBTQ led, if not fully LGBTQ led, because you know that's how you. That's the next step in this evolution, right? You have the performers, you have the wrestlers. Now you need the writers, you need the bookers, you need the people that are that are able to tell stories that resonate with the audiences that the queer performers are bringing in in that way and and start telling stories that are you know real to us. And I, I love to I'd love to see that expansion here. Obviously, I want to see it in other places. And obviously, it's it this is it, it didn't happen in France, but this past year with the big gay brunch going to, to the UK for the first time. Um Again, obviously, it's not necessarily in the same. It's not in the same country that that you are. It's not necessarily even like the same wrestling scene, for sure. But like seeing that sort of event come over to to Europe, like, what did that make you feel? Knowing these desires that that you and other people in the French wrestling scene have had, I was so thrilled. I was so thrilled to to see. Um them coming to the uk hopefully one day we'll have a a brunch in france i would love to good god um but i i saw that bussy challenged the the apc tag team champions cool and and ravage so hopefully we'll have bussy in in france in the near oh, future i, I can only imagine to. what effie's gonna do in france oh <laughs> shit oh my god don't even start <laughs> effie please come um it's just um yeah, I was so thrilled to to see. Um, I don't think there was a uh, people from the from the queer queer community in France involved 
uh, in the show, but nonetheless, no, just yeah. awesome opportunity for, um, you know, English wrestlers, for everyone involved in the queer community. I was, you know, Effie has done a lot to showcase um, LGBTQ Q plus performers. And um, I'm so thrilled to see this, this scene uh, shining um, as the, the years go go by, you know. There's mm-hmm. more and more opportunities for everyone involved, and that just makes wrestling a cool place. Oh, it, it definitely does. It definitely does. And speaking of that, you know, I've had you here for an hour, and I'm very gracious about your time, Lucas. Uh, so it's, been a, the it's been a pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking 2 a.m. where you are. Brian, you're the one who's making an effort. I'm just, you know, I, I woke up at 8.30 today. I was mm-hmm. just... You know, I woke up. The, the I woke sun up at was there today too. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go to sleep, guys. And I will go to sleep way, at some point. I'm I'm usually up at this hour anyway. Sorry, go ahead. If there's still listeners listening to a French person losing in English, you lose like they're they're listening to me. My my English goes from worse to worse and worse and worse. But if you're still there. Please leave a five star out of five, uh, you know, rating <laughs> to this podcast and leave a review to, you know, thank Brian for his dedication to this podcast. Yeah. What are you chewing up, Brian? It's amazing to see. Ah, it's just I'm just a night owl. I operate I'm <sighs> on very little sleep most of the time, so that's just me. But I will not turn down another <laughs> another beautiful plug for, exactly. for, for that. But I guess as we do kind of wind down here a little bit, um, obviously the, some of the, the, the companies that we've spoken about tonight and some of the, like the areas of pro wrestling that you have covered, you know, are places that us here in the States don't really see that often, you know, because of, you know, just there aren't, there aren't a lot of North American eyes on like APC, like the former body Zoe. Um, who's again their their new name? I know they changed their name. It escapes me at the moment. Um, English but, yes, there we go. That's that's the one. Um, and not to mention other companies as well. Companies that run in Italy, companies that run um, in Spain. You know, like in all these these places that I've come to know through my research for Q for the QWI two hundred list over the last like four or five years. But there's a lot of places that people are not putting their eyes on. You as someone in that area of, of the world, what are companies that you wish more people were paying attention to for what they are doing right now? Um, Let's say uh, Bangers on Wrestling, definitely. Uh, I think they have a chance to be one of the oldest, hottest um, wrestling promotion in the world. Uh, that's how highly I think of them. Um, it's just the the cards are at times exhausting. Like you're seeing this escalation of matches, and you're going, "Where do you go from from now?" It's just banger after banger, etc. Um, so yeah, bangers on wrestling uh, is um one of my favorite promotion. It's uh very near from from where I live. Um. I think the main problem with them is that they're not showcasing a lot of women wrestlers, and that's mm. something they need to improve on. Uh, this, yeah, it's almost 
just uh, male, straight male wrestling action. And uh, yeah, the, it's something they need to work on. Um, hopefully they will improve on that on in 2024. But the product in itself is just mind-blowing. Seeing Minoru Suzuki in France is unbelievable. Something I never thought would be possible. Um, I talk about APC Evolution. Um, great, great product. Seeing those up and up and one, two, three, up and comers, um, you know, shining and working and learning their craft is a very good thing to see. Um, and uh, there's also Rise Catch, uh, in uh, Britannia. Um, I know La Maison Mère Jazz and, and Brand debuted there, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so. Thank, thankfully, uh, Rick's, uh, you know, showcasing LGBTQ plus performers on their shows uh, is a cool thing to see. And outside of that, um, um, there's also La Bagarre, which uh, uh, in English is just The Brawl. It's a promotion called The Brawl. Mm. And um, it's uh, they're emphasizing their shows on, you know, brawling, uh, the brawling style of, of wrestling. And... Um, yeah, th that was fun too. Um, but um, outside of that, just uh, I try not to uh, putting. Um, how can I say that? Um, I, I try to also look at what's going on outside of France. You know, um, mm -hmm. Spain, Italy, um, Engl uh, England also. But um, like I said, there is a, a boom period. In France, I feel like for wrestling in 2023, uh, the scene is growing, the wrestlers are getting better. Um, wrestling fans and non wrestling fans are taking wrestling more seriously. Uh, we've seen wrestling in the, the Z, uh, Z event, which is a sh uh, charity uh, live stream uh, during a weekend. And it's organized by um, the some of the most well-known streamers in France. And there was wrestling uh, in 2022 there. And casual fans, it was a way for casual fans to see some French wrestlers and for them to know that there's wrestling outside of WWE, which is a, a lot of casual fans don't know that. For them, it's just WWE is, is wrestling. And... Um, I think we're living in the in the in an era where wrestling hasn't been that hotter in a while, and it feels exciting because there's more and more opportunities for everyone, and it's also a way to show casual fans that, um, yeah, there's wrestling outside of WWE, uh, there's wrestling in France, there's amazing wrestlers in France, Aigle Blanc, uh, I'm I'm gonna talk about uh him again, but. His 2023 year was amazing, and uh, it's such a shame that American fans don't uh, don't have the chance to see uh, him a lot. Um, hopefully, he will have the chance to debut in the U.S. Uh, in 2024. Um, but yeah, it just it's it feels exciting, uh, and especially again for LGBTQ Q plus performers. Um, we had the first ever tag team wrestling with Jazz and Brand, and that happened in 2023. This just, it's a, a wild time to be a wrestling fan. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan in France. Uh, so uh, I'm thrilled to see what 2024 will hold for 
French wrestling. <laughs> I'm I'm excited for it as well. I'm excited to to pay more attention to it and not just like have it be like a thing that I'm that I'm really focusing on during like the QWY uh season of things. Like I I love the expansion of that that has come from me being able to like do that work and to learn about all these new spaces and I think just the same that, that you're speaking to, I would love to see more people put eyes on them because there's some really special things that are happening in these these nations and these regions that, you know, aren't getting the same type of play that some of the other like bigger ones are. So that's a really awesome thing to see for sure. Well, Lucas, this has been honestly a, an enlightening uh, experience and I'm very happy that we were able to make this work and you know, I think you, I hadn't even thought about this before, but before we started recording, you asked me if you were the first like non-native English speaker ever on the show. And I had to think about it. Like, yeah, you are. And I hadn't even really thought about that as like another like milestone for the show. So there we go. Luke, we can put Lucas Charpois right up there on, on, yeah. on the banner as, as a historic moment in LGBTQ, LGBT <laughs> in the ring history there. <laughs> LGBTQ, LGBT in the ring starting international. You know, we're exactly. kicking barriers. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're all about. Fuck barriers. Yeah. Kick them. Kick them down <laughs> all day long. Exactly. Yes. Now, I was well, genuinely so thrilled to, to do this. Thank you so much for the invitation, Brian. Uh, thank you to all the listeners who listened to a 21-year-old French guy just sharing his story about being queer in this business and, you know, where did it all go? Uh, I'm very thankful if you stayed until the end. Once again, thank you so much, Brian, for the for the invitation. No, of course, of course. Let everybody know where they can find you online. Uh, on Twitter, ex at every uh, social media that I'm on, it's Lucas Sharpio. So it's L U C A S C H A R P I O T, and it's on every social media. It's it's that. Good deal. And r let me know if you if you do that podcast with uh with your uh French LGBTQ pro wrestlers there because yeah, I will definitely. return I will return the five star rating favor right now <laughs> preemptively and just say if if you do that rate of five stars all yeah. all the fans of the show hop on that rate of five stars all right that's what we do here Thank we support each other yeah yeah it's a support system exactly yeah <laughs> now not if if i do the podcast we'll be like podcast sisters there could be a thing in a relationship like it's more yeah we'll be sisters in podcasts but right. i will not take the 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 light from you like the, oh, the spotlight from you no no no. Yeah. there's look there's enough spotlight for all of us so that's the one thing exactly. about, about doing journal january is there's enough spotlight for all of all of the members of our community that want to participate in this space and i'm always happy totally. to have more siblings in the podcast space too so so bring it i'm here for it yeah you got you got <laughs> you just got one sister today i'm your sister I, now that's our relationship we're, we're sis all right there we go I'm into it. <laughs> Sis, sisters for life. I'm. We're always there. Thank you again, yeah. Lucas. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ryan. My thanks once again to Lucas for taking the time to come on the show and talk about his experiences and talk about, you know, his 
his local scene around there a bit too. You know, like I said before, like I, I was aware of wrestlers like, like Misha and, and Jesse Perry. Um, I'm glad to know of brand now. I feel bad that I did not know of brand before, but like I said, one of the best things about doing this show and doing the work that I do is learning about new people to look into. So thank you, Lucas, for that. I'm really bummed that you never found your Rey Mysterio mask, <laughs> but it's okay. You, you lost that, but you gained a podcast sister and that's all that matters. So uh, thank you again to Lucas. Thank you to all of y'all for, for tuning in again here. Journal January is going to keep rolling on. We have another great guest lined up for next week. Um, I believe we're also kind of setting up some coverage of Effie's Big Gay Brunch coming up on January 27th as well. So we're just chugging along with a full docket here on LGBT in the Ring for the month of January. And that's not even counting what we're doing over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Um, you know, Obviously, for people that subscribe at the $5 tier, the bonus love tier over there, you, we do monthly bonus shows. Um, the most consistent one being Required Reading, which returns here in January after taking December off. Um, and I can go ahead and kind of let y'all know what match we're going to be talking about. We don't know the film yet because, spoiler alert, I haven't actually shown the match to Hollis yet. <laughs> That's happening later this week. So I'll, I'll know the film that we're pairing with this match uh at that time, but uh, the match we're looking at this month on required reading is Jumbo Saruta versus Cactus Jack from the 1991 Champion Carnival in All Japan Pro Wrestling. A tight little five-minute thing that is just glorious. Absolutely adore it. So if you want to check out our thoughts on that match later this month, uh, as well as the film that we pair with it on required reading... You can go over and subscribe at the $5 tier at patreon.com slash LGBTRingPod. If you subscribe at the $3 tier, you get to join our roster of lovelies, which get uh, shout-outs on this show each and every episode. Uh, you would join the ranks of people like Zach Walker, uh, Jerry Legend, Val Capone, and Alex E. You know, people that have been steadfast supporters of, of the show since we took it independent uh, last year. So... Yeah, again, patreon.com slash LGBTRingPod. If you feel so moved, that's where you can further support us over there. Um, obviously, financial support isn't feasible for everyone. And I will echo Lucas here <laughs> when saying, like, you know, if, if financial support isn't in the cards for you at the moment, totally understand. You can always support the show for free by you know leaving that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, you can also just continue to spread the word about the show, follow us on all of our show socials, uh, and just, I don't know, just continue listening, honestly. That's probably the easiest thing to do, is just continue listening to the show uh, each and every week, because, like, trust me, there's a lot of, of thanks on our end for being able to do that there. So, with that, I will uh, say goodbye for this week. We'll be back next week with our third installment of Journal January here in 2024. But uh, until then... Y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And kind of a follow-up to last week, fuck Matt Stryker. Ready to die. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the demons.